Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us to uh, the Asterix podcast. This is actually, I think, only the second podcast we've done for 2023. So we're just kind of getting back up to speed. Uh, we had a great year last year in 2022. Uh, we did uh, a little more than one podcast per month. I think we did like 13 or 14. Uh, very successful, uh, you know, a nice growing following. Um, you can access our podcasts, uh, as I'll mention, as I get towards the end of today's session through all the normal channels. Um, we're, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Um, the, the podcast, um, that, that, uh, that Asterix focuses on is for digital transformation, um, in, in life sciences. So we're dealing mostly with, um, you know, the life science industry. We're dealing with pharmaceutical, biotech, uh, anybody that has a laboratory, folks that are engaged in R and D, everything from preclinical through the clinical trial process, through the regulatory submission process, through all the stuff that happens, uh, after the fact. Um, you know, we're, we're typically as a company involved in, uh, from a professional services standpoint, helping, helping organizations, you know, kind of streamline and or even shepherding them through, you know, this, this whole digital transformation that the life science industry is going through, getting off of paper, et cetera. Um, today's, uh, podcast is entitled Insights to Succeed throughout the regulatory information management journey. So the acronym, obviously, for that is RIM. Um, so if I say RIM throughout the session today, you'll know I'm talking about regulatory information management. Um, today is episode, uh, one for March 23rd for the, for our rim topics. And, and, you know, really what we're going to be digging into is talking about the regulatory submission process and how obviously it could be a daunting task. There's a huge volume of processes, uh, systems and supporting tools that, that companies need. Uh, they use it to plan, to track, to author, to publish and submit, uh, the health authorities, uh, uh, voluminous amounts of data uh, that that are staggering. Uh, the process can be more complex when you're dealing with global affiliates uh, that require uh, rest of world submissions or ROW submissions. So, obviously, pharmaceutical companies um, with which we've worked, uh, they they find it oftentimes a heavy lift to complete and streamline, you know, this this endless myriad of tasks. And we've seen efforts uh, encounter many challenges due to a lack of consideration and coordination among you know multiple organizations oftentimes. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about um, the RIM journey. We're going to talk with uh, a RIM expert, Heather Adonolfi. She's going to discuss strategies and tactics that can effectively identify and anticipate what the common hurdles are, uh, mitigate the impact of common uh, unavoidable challenges, and smooth the road to success, we hope, with regulatory information uh, management. So let's get into a quick introduction. I'll introduce Heather in just a moment, and then we'll dig into some Q&A with her. Implementing an end-to-end regulatory information management system, or RIM, uh, it should positively impact an organization's regulatory compliance, their speed to market, and hopefully, ultimately, the revenue. Uh, you know, robust RIM solution can optimize everything from collaboration uh, through streamlined processes driving higher quality work. Uh, however, to realize these benefits, uh, companies need to ensure that their strategy is firmly in place and thoroughly comprehensive. Without the proper plans in place, it's easy to miss key information along the way, which can lead to suboptimal implementation and potentially lagging user adoption. So we want you to avoid these pitfalls. And it's critical that organizations prepare sufficiently for this change, both from a people and a technology uh, perspective. So uh, we'll dig into uh, an introduction of our speaker. Uh, and again, I want to welcome everybody to the Digital Transformation Podcast Series. Um, we're going to be talking with Heather Adenalfi, who's a practice lead with the Strategic Consulting Services team uh, here at Asterix. Ms. Adenalfi brings to today's conversation over 10 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on both informatics and safety. 
Uh, she works closely with her clients uh, and other software vendors uh, to create solutions associated with streamlining workflows and ensuring effective cross-functional collaboration around critical operations that might include things like regulatory compliance and safety management. So, Heather, welcome to today's conversation. You and I have done this before. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Uh, I'll give you a moment if you want to just, you know, take a minute and introduce yourself and, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Uh, thanks for that introduction, Kevin. Um, so, you know, Asterix really assists our pharma and biotech clients with critical components of their business. Um, we we want to ensure that there's proper regulatory processes in place, that systems are set up, and they're performing reliably. Um, you know, as everyone listening to this probably knows, comprehensive and consistent regulatory information management is really imperative to to them, to our clients across the board. Um, it requires a solid strategy and a plan that guarantees smooth and efficient operations. So we really focus on collaborating with our clients to produce those strategic plans designed to succeed um, in their unique business objectives, their operating environments, organizational cultures, um, staffing complements, and even geographic footprints. Great. I appreciate that. Um, and thank you for that kind of lead in. Um, so we'll get into kind of the Q&A portion of this now. Obviously, what you just mentioned, it seems like, you know, a tremendous amount of moving parts. Um, Heather, what, what are the challenges that your team typically addresses to maintain things like operational efficiencies when you're incorporating or upgrading a regulatory information management system? Sure, that's a good question. So there's a number of challenges that companies can face when they're implementing any system, um, but especially one that incorporates an end-to-end global process like a RIM implementation. Um, Asterix can help address implementation challenges in technical work streams, like things like defining requirements or configuring RIM system or supporting migrations and integrations. Um, but we can also help address challenges in change management and program management, Things like how do you work across your global subject matter experts to define business processes? What are the impacts to users? Um, how do you create and manage adoption and communication plans and maintaining consistent planning, management, and communication across all those parallel work streams? Um, so one thing we often see in organizations struggle with is coordinating IT and business resources. So, for example... Let's think about if you were to implement just the authoring part of a RIM solution. Um, we would really want to understand the global processes, and with that comes the terminology. Uh, oftentimes, teams are using similar terms to mean different things across the globe. Um, so as you really dig into that, it's important to find out these types of things um, and to coordinate what that looks like across those processes, terminology, tools, as you go into that future state requirements and ultimately into configuring the solution. Um, but to do that, you really need to be able to coordinate across teams, both within the IT organization and your business users. Um, so we'd want to think about what does that look like for everyone impacted and how are we going to accomplish it and when will those changes really happen? Um, so all of those work streams need varying levels of input from those business SMEs and the IT SMEs. Um, it's important to have that plan in place and to have someone be able to orchestrate across all of those different organizations. Um, some things we've seen as challenges really come when organizations might wait too long to bring in uh, one group or the other. So you might think that you have the right people in the room, start those conversations, and then later find out that there's additional stakeholders. 
Um, and sometimes that can lead to backtracking or rework. Um, that happens, you know, across the board, regardless of if it's a RIM implementation or another implementation, but it's definitely uh, a bigger challenge when you're working globally. Um, so we want to make sure that you have the right representation that is also balanced with people's day jobs. Um, so, you know, we're talking about RIM here. So we're really talking about making sure that people are able to still get submissions out the door and that you're able to work towards those approval timelines um, to keep the business moving. Um, so as you're coordinating across all of those people, you want to make sure that you really are bringing in to subject matter experts um, at the right time and not taking up too much of their time, but enough that you're able to get their input. And it, that makes a lot of sense. And, and certainly, you know, in, in a lot of the, um, you know, in a lot of the uh, big IT implementations that, I, that I've, you know, at least been privy to over the years, I know the day job thing <laughs> that you mentioned is, is always a mm-hmm. tough one because, you know, certainly people are, 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 are zeroed in on, on the stuff that they have to do. And, and if, you know, you're doing something, uh, regulatory in nature, while the regulatory folks may be all bought in on it and they, they may, they may get it and they may be, uh, the folks who are willing to, you know, divert from what they're doing to get this done. Cause they understand obviously what the end game is going to be when you have to pull in folks outside of the regulatory, like IT or et cetera, or others maybe who don't live in that world. It might be, it might be a little tricky sometimes to get them. Um, to, to not buy into it, but just to, to give you the time and the, and the same amount of energy that can certainly be, be difficult. And then I guess, obviously, when you're dealing with multiple, multiple uh, facilities, remote workers, people across different countries, that can definitely complicate it even yep, more. Yeah, you got it. Cool. Okay. So, um, in terms of, you know, what organizations might be doing to minimize the impact of a project of this scope, um, while maintaining their core functions, kind of, you know, part and partial to that, you got people with their day jobs, they, that's what they care about. You know, how can you minimize that impact while keeping them interested, so to speak? Yeah, good question. Um, so I think we need to think back at how do we organize these projects? And I think you're going to hear me say throughout this and, and obviously throughout the webinars that I've given recently, a lot about planning and making sure that everyone's on the same page and everyone knows where they're going. So the, the, Ultimate way to minimize risk is to make sure you have a strategy and the accompanying plans. Um, whether an organization is fully engaged in the process of implementing that new system or just starting to explore options, it all starts with that vision and those clear goals so that you can get that buy-in you were just talking about um, from not just your regulatory folks, but all of your adjacent organizations as well. Um, the other way would be to look at what I'd call a phased approach. So you're not going after everything all at once. Um, you're staggering your implementation efforts to account for your business and IT time for those stakeholders time, I should say. Um, and you might want to structure that around key submission dates or capabilities that you know you're going to need for a particular submission or for a particular challenge that you're facing. Um, and you also want to think about other initiatives that might be going on in your organization. So in a regulatory information management system, you're going to have a lot of touch points with different organizations, like your clinical folks. You might have um, statistics information coming in or safety information coming in. So if there are initiatives in those adjacent organizations, they could be impacting your timeline, um, You know, both from that planning and implementation standpoint, but from exactly what you were just saying, Kevin, from making sure that you have the time for from your subject matter experts um, to be able to get their input at the right time um, and, and the right amount of time. You, like I said before, you want to use um, 
just the amount of time that you need to get the information that will drive you forward and make sure that they can get back to doing their J job and keeping things moving. And that makes sense. And I think you even might have made this point, um, from what I understand in the recent mm-hmm. white paper uh, that that we put out on this topic. Um, I know the folks on on the podcast might not know what that paper is about. So if you don't mind, would you share some of the advice that you detailed? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's short key steps that are in that paper um, and in our recent webinar too that will enable a successful implementation. And um, they seem pretty intuitive on the surface, but there are a lot of nuances to each of those four steps that ensure critical activities aren't overlooked. Um, from a high level, at least, um, we're really talking about things like defining your vision, identifying your capabilities, creating that plan, and managing the change. Great, great. Um, appreciate that. Uh, and I think what I'd like to do is maybe dive a little bit deeper um, sure. into the four critical steps. So tell us what you mean about defining your vision. Yeah. Okay. So defining your vision, um, it, really the first step you want to do. Um, we often work closely with organizational leadership to develop what would refer to as a vision statement um, and the accompanying guiding elements, which you can think of as your goals and objectives that you want to accomplish across your journey. Um, so obviously this is key to any major initiative that you're doing, um, but you want to think about what it specifically means to your regulatory functions. So to give an example, you might have a goal around accelerate time to approval. Um, but from there, we'd want to look to expand that into something more tangible. So what does that mean in terms of approving in improving authoring capabilities to support quicker time to first draft or enabling a faster turnaround for health authority questions? Um, things like that will help you set the stage for all the work you're going to do later. Um, and it helps ensure understanding alignment and buy-in from those key stakeholders that we've been talking so much about. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I know, I know the second step, uh, the second critical step you mentioned is identifying the quote unquote capabilities. Um, could you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Um, so this next piece of identifying the capabilities really you really want to take a step back um, when you think about this because you want to examine your as-is state of the business um, and then dive into the future state or, or the possible, if you will. Um, it, you need to know where you are in order to know where you're going. Um, and you also want to make sure you're accounting for any of the issues or gaps that you have today as you look towards what you need for the future. Um, and there might also be areas of opportunity, things you don't do today that your users are saying, wow, it'd be really nice if we could, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, but you also want to look at what those business processes are, what's impacted, what systems would be replaced. Uh, and that way you can leverage this knowledge and along with those visions and guiding principles um, to create that future state. Um, and that would serve from a foundational capability perspective, but also from that sky's the limit perspective. Um, and as you go through your implementation, you're going to want to take a look back at those capabilities and iterate on them. Um, as you dive down into the details, you might realize that things need to change in those capabilities or you might be able to build on them. So to give you a regulatory style example, um, you might start out with a high level understanding of what's needed in document finalization. Um, 
And this would give you enough information to do things like selecting a vendor or get started on your implementation. And then as you go through that phased approach that I mentioned a few moments ago, you'd want to dive deeper into the document finalization requirements or capabilities in this case. Um, and you might need to take a second or even a third look at it as you go through and you bring in those SMEs at the right times to understand how they're doing this work. So you'd want to look at the details like, what do your document overlays look like? Is your new system going to support them in the way that you needed to? And if not, what are you going to do in that case? Um, are your docu- what do you need for document linking? Or is the system supporting what you need for document linking? How about references or supplementary information? Um, so as you go through that implementation, you bring in those SMEs, you want to take another look at those capabilities that you started with back in the beginning. So, um, you know, I've kind of listed it as in that white paper as like the second bullet point, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only time you're going to do that work. Gotcha. Uh, great. Yeah. Appreciate that level of detail. Um, you also mentioned the importance of the plan. Um, you know, are there any specific details you'd like to point out regarding the development of a plan? Sure. So I'm probably mentioned a plan a lot and I'm probably going to mention it a lot more as, as we go through this conversation, because it really is important to have that solid plan. Um, you know, one of my mentors here at Asterix actually said something to me a while ago and, uh, really stuck with me. And she said, uh, don't react, plan. And I feel like that's a sentiment that's really easily overlooked um, in life in general. Um, but especially in implementations, it's so important. Um, it's okay if you sit and think about a plan, come up with a plan, and then that initial plan changes, kind of like those capability iterations that we just talked about. Um, you want this initial plan to be... a list of activities and timelines that are really thought of as a living document. So as you learn more, as issues or risks come up, you want to revisit that plan and mitigate those risks and adjust as needed. Um, so plan though is only as good as the people who make it happen. Um, not just the IT folks, but the business teams as well, those subject matter experts that you're bringing in from different groups. Um, but also thinking about who are your champions um, who are the leaders who are going to help you along your way? Um, they're going to come into play during your implementation from a subject matter expert perspective. Um, they're also going to come into play when we talk about managing that change and really making sure that you've got um, people in place who can help drive that change forward um, and influence those around them to adopt your new software. Um, so making sure that you identify the different work streams that are going into your plan. So what that phase approach looks like um, for each of those phases or set of capabilities you want to implement, what else needs to happen underneath that to support it. Um, and in addition to those work streams, think about who makes sense to be part of those work stream teams. Um, I think, you know, as we think about plans, it really then comes down to what does that look like, right? So want to pull that information kind of into what we think of as a roadmap. And it gives you a view that's easier to see and easier to predict what's going to happen with various work streams going on in parallel. Um, so if you don't react and you plan, you're able to look ahead and see, do your teams have bandwidth to support that work? 
um, what's the top priority work? So it, it's very company dependent, right? Do you have, um, capabilities that are needed in authoring today? Or do you need to move to submission planning and tracking first? Or is archive a big problem today? And you want to make sure you do that first. So all of that phasing comes into play. Um, it's really a lot easier to see where you're going if you put it on a plan and put it in a visual to get there. Um, but there's really no one, one right way to create the plan uh, because it really depends on your organization's opportunities. But I think my advice would be to slow down, take a step back and make sure that you've Got it written down on where you want to go and who's going to help you get there. Yeah, that makes sense. Work to pl- plan the work and work to yeah, plan. Yeah, there right? you go. Um, <clears throat> okay, cool. So critical steps you mentioned. So, uh, you know, also again, and looking back at uh, the, the recent white paper, it's that the management of change was something also that was coming up. How do you recommend an organization approach that? Because change management is always... Uh, Somewhat difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I think all organizations run into this at some point. Um, and again, in regulatory information management, when you're looking at an end to end system, um, and you're really looking globally, you need to make sure you're taking into consideration all of your stakeholders, right? Because you can implement a system and it can have all of your capabilities, but it's still no good if no one's using it. Um, and even if a change is a good change, um, it's still impacting the way that people are working. And that can be a scary process. Um, it's really common for users to be apprehensive about a new way to do things, um, especially when we're talking about regulatory submissions, because it has the potential to affect those health authority approvals if you don't follow your plan. Um, so you want to think about not just the leaders in the organization, but all of your stakeholders, everyone who's impacted by this system, people who are doing work in the system, hands-on keys, but also people who might be getting reports or outputs from the system. Um, you want to think about developing, well, here's the word again, plan, communications plans, uh, training plans, right? Training materials. You want to make sure that you have updated SOPs and job aids, everything that goes along with making sure that your users are getting the support that they need to feel comfortable with a change to their solution. Um, Uh, You need to account for some critical dates too. So like I mentioned before in planning the implementation, when you're planning to roll out to users, uh, things like critical submission dates or audits, um, they will come up and you'll need to work around them. So you might have an idea of where you're going to go and then a critical submission pops up on your calendar. You need to make sure that you're not rolling out a change that's going to slow down that submission timeline. Um, so I think I, I said it again, the plan, right? You, you want to just make sure that in addition to that implementation plan, you're thinking about what those users need um, and the timeline that work for them as well. Um, so it's important to have that adoption plan as well. Great. Um <clears throat> Makes perfect sense, and I think uh, it gives folks a lot of stuff to think about. I know we're, we're going to kind of come up on the the thirty minute mark here. We try to keep them right around thirty minutes. So um, I, I want to obviously uh, thank you for those insights so far. Any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with on this, you know, ever ever changing topic? Sure, um, would be great. Well, I know that was a lot to unpack and remember. Um, well, for those listening um, who 
maybe haven't downloaded the white paper yet, um, I'll summarize a couple of the important takeaways. So I think Wallum is slow down to speed up. Um, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but in order to be successful, you want to take your time to assess the current state, evaluate your potential solutions. Um, all of this, all of the steps, no matter how small, are needed so that you can mitigate risks and, of course, adjust your plan as needed. And if you slow down to speed up, think about that plan, you'll be able to account for those surprises along the way. Um, Another one is write it down. Document everything, uh, your processes, the roles, responsibilities, implementation plans, key stakeholder names. Um, that way you can look back on this critical information and use it to make better, more informed decisions later. Um, and the last thing I think I'll leave you with is uh, don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, what I really mean by that is prioritize. So uh, prioritize capabilities, work streams, configuration needs. Um, not everything can or should be done all at once, even though it's really tempting to want to get in there and make it happen. Um, but honestly, Kevin, I could talk about this for days because there's so many nuances to the successful implementation across the board, whether you're talking regulatory or, mm-hmm. or another subject matter. Um, but our team at Asterix has worked with so many of the top life science organizations to assist them with this process, um, which really as a vendor agnostic partner, we love getting to work closely with our clients to reach that successful future state vision. So I'll stop there so I don't talk for days, um, but I'm happy to no have worries. more <laughs> later. No, no, that's great. That's great. And and yeah, there's a couple of key things to, to take away for the audience. Um, the work that Asterix does, uh, it's always important to mention that we are a vendor agnostic organization. So um, while we, we have expertise in a great many software applications that are used um, by the leading companies in life sciences, um, <clears throat> we're not aligned to them financially. So our recommendations and the work that we do with clients is always in the client's best interest and making sure that okay. this technology is an enabling um, force, uh, not something uh, where people are just trying to make commission off of. So that's always an important thing to mention. So Heather, obviously, thank you for an informative conversation. Um, I want to encourage folks um, <clears throat> to check out the Asterix uh, website. There's an insight section on there that has the white paper uh, that we've referenced uh, for RIM implementation. Uh, it should be pretty much front and center on on that uh, insight section of the website. Again, asterixinc.com. And you can learn about the entire strategic consulting services practice uh, on there as well, the work that we're doing. Uh, each month, our podcast series on digital transformation covers an increasing variety of topics uh, that shed light onto technological advances, enabling uh, very exciting processes that's going on in the life science, biotechnology, and pharmaceutical sectors. And if you'd like to catch up on past podcasts and see why so many of your colleagues are listening to these conversations, uh, you can find the full list on asterixinks.com, which uh, again, I'll direct you when you come into the website, you'll see it front and center. The insight section uh, will cover off on that. So until our next podcast, I want to wish everybody a great success in your work uh, and, and your projects. And we thank you for listening to it. Um, we're going to go ahead and get wrapped up. And uh, the session is now complete.